volume down. And would you look at that? We are live. Are we? Eight o'clock. Right. Eight o'clock on the nose. Did we? Did I we? said go live, but all of a sudden I'm getting a. Uh... I'm going. I'm getting sluggish. Interesting. Yeah. No, like my connection just it says excellent connection to YouTube. Uh, Did I just started early? Like, what the heck's going on with my connection here? Uh, yeah. It's weird. Okay. I mean, we're live, but I'm all choppy. Yeah, I'm choppy as all heck. YouTube is not maintaining enough. Gosh darn it. What, what'd you set your bitrate? Oh my gosh. To? Uh, I'm sending one meg. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> what the heck? Okay. Okay. Uh, Redo. Me. Let me add a zero to that. Apply. Okay. 805. We'll be there in a okay, second. There we go. Now we're good. We're good. In stunning potato vision. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should be good now. Now we're sending nine megs. <laughs> okay. Just got to wait for YouTube to catch up. All right. All right. Lean back and relax. Started too early. I know. I know. Hopefully you can at least hear us. I'm gonna have to go back in the stream and delete the first three minutes. Uh, only 60 seconds. All right, it's thinking now. Thinking now. Maybe we're there. Ah, there we go. Okay. Now right. people are saying we're, we're catching up. Cool. All right. Uh, I have no idea how that happened because I'm on the proper profile. Uh, but. For some reason, my streaming rate was at 1,200 kilobit instead of 12,000 kilobit. All right. Let's see. Hang on. It's still choppy for me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm going to refresh this screen. Hopefully, this all works. Gosh. It suck. Okay. Going. Going. Next slide, please. Hi. <laughs> again. <laughs> okay 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 maybe maybe there we go i think that might have done it yay yeah there we go that was hey faster. look 805 on the nose oh, the yes <laughs> nailed it <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 235.1, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some stuff. Oh, crap. OBS just crashed. Ah! Uh, it says we're still streaming, but I, I'm going to die. So uh, I'll, I'll be back in a sec. <sighs> All right. All right. All right. OBS, you'd better behave. 
Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 231.2, your once-week live show of the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. He's John. Thank you all so much yep, for joining us on Wednesday on <laughs> podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. We read all Super Chats on the air so long as we can stay on the air. Uh... We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you drink along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you can get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and actually get a video feed to go along with the audio. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Finally. Finally. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just when you think we had it all together. Just when <laughs> I know we were talking like, oh, it's gonna be kind of cool. We'll be actually on time. Right. We'll, it, we'll freak everyone out. The, the clock you know? rolled over to eight o'clock and I said, wanna scare everyone? And he goes, Yeah, go for it. So I hit start streaming. Eight minutes later, we're finally on. <laughs> <laughs> well, YouTube uh, yeah, uh, and OBS, no, like, no, 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 you, you can't do No, that. no, no. You said 8.05. Yeah. <laughs> John's on. We're, I know what to do. We're going to hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Jeremy drinking a monster Java Loca Mocha. That's a great one. Uh, let's see. Who else has some, some beverages going tonight? Williams got a High Hops Brewery Beery Scottish Ale, 6.5%. Nice. Uh, Dom, evening, gents. My first beer tonight is a Dirty Bastard Scotch Style. Yes. Founders, nice. 8.5. Great beer. That is Love a that fantastic beer. beer. Novella's got a Surly Brewing Permanent Echo Double IPA, clocking in at 9.2. John Jay's. I've got a bat squatch from rogue oh nice yeah i see rogue out and about uh john jay's having a raise uh ghost 1123 by adroit theory uh nice. triple new england style ipa and has a 4.2 out of 5 rating on untapped look at that information oh next one down yeah i just saw that uh michael's got a rheingast brewery or rheingeist excuse me yeah rheingeist uh uh, Rheingeist Brewing Bourbon Barrel Aged Night Whale Imperial Stout 15.5%. Does anyone have him beat tonight? No. Like, I, I was pushing double digits, but but I think that might take it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could. Right. I need to. Right. I mean, I'd have to step away for a second. I gotta yeah. go to the cellar, and there's a whole password con, you know. It's a whole thing. <laughs> okay. Fingerprint scan, right. eye retinal. Exactly. So, uh, GI Pilot's got a Hendrix Martini. That's a solid choice. Uh, Maddie's got a Kombucha Synergy Gingerade. That sounds good. Uh, and we'll do one more. We got Jason's got a Boneyard Incredible Pulp Blood Orange Extra Pale Ale, clocking in at 6%. I think I saw like three organ beers. Yeah. Nice. We're, we're getting around these days. I know. Uh, John, what do you got on the docket for tonight? Um, I, I grabbed a few, and 
You know, I'm, I'm going to go with something for the uh, theme of today. And uh, since I already had a, a, a bunch of them, um, I'm going to go with Elysian's uh, Dank Dust. Okay. So they're I've Imperial. I, I, have, I have one for you. It, nice. Nice. It is very aromatic yeah i'm i'm assuming it's a space dust base and it's a space dust triple dry hopped or something like that probably more like hemp oil okay okay it it makes your room smell like a dispensary if if a legion and block 15 did a collab (laughs) no it's even worse really it's way wow i had to get you one (laughs) wow oh even even oh my gosh (laughs) I like, like I need you to have it and you have to have it on film. Yeah. Like if, if you had this in a car for the day from, you know, a day ago, yeah. a cop would still smell it and pull you over and be like, no, you know, you're getting checked. Right. Right. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, well, I'm going to stick with the theme of Oregon beers that uh, was parading around through chat uh, from seal rock, Oregon, uh, wolf tree brewery. Isn't that a daisy barrel finished? Uh, this is a gin barrel aged Saison, uh, which normally I'm not a huge fan of Saison, farmhouse, that kind of style. This one kind of intrigued me, though. Uh, oh, and you said speaking of the day. There we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> how's everyone doing tonight? Uh what are they going to do? Demonetize this video? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, now, I should have brought this beer with me to Portland last night uh, because it could have been a very valuable lesson uh, to one Kyle uh, on how to properly open a corked <laughs> beer. There we go. You see, you see how I didn't, like, put it right up to my eye? I mean, it would have been hilarious. It would have been. Yeah, I, I should have given him a corked beer. That that would have been yes. great. Yeah, but he's like, hey, can you open this for me? <laughs> oh. So, yeah, like I said, normally I'm not a huge fan of, of Saison's farmhouses. You know, the real skunky type beers, the, the fermented sour ales and, and crap like that. Um, it's just not my jam. But I love gin. And so I, I saw gin barrel aged. I buy. I, I, I don't know if I will like this you one, but know. that's why we try things. So, you know, actually, that is a very, very pleasant. Um, everyone else would call it blackberry. We call it Marionberry here. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like. And it's not sour at all. It's like mm. berry and berry pie. Uh, boy, that is sweet. I'm a fan. Really? Oh my gosh, I'm a fan. Really? Wow. I could have swore I had that one and I looked it up and uh, didn't, but uh, yeah. I might have to go pick it up. I like a gin barrel stage. Uh, have you ever had uh, Gigantic's, I think it's their um, uh, Ratchet IPA or something like that? Uh, Monkey Wrench IPA? It's oh, a Monkey gin Wrench, barrel yeah. Age. yeah. Yeah, the gin barrel age IPA. Yeah. That one's pretty good. Yeah. This one is 
it kind of it hits you kind of light at first, mm -hmm. uh, where it's really light on the tongue. The back end gets heavier though. Um, it's a really weird sensation, uh, but that fruit sweetness and and I and I mean sweet, not tart, not sour, not aged ale fermented, just like sweet blackberries, um, kind of opens up into like this pilsner kind of style towards the back end of it. There's definitely some juniper poking through through the middle and end of the flavor super well balanced like mm. it's complex but without well, being like yeah it's just a tell, farmhouse because it's skunky we'll tell everyone how much you pay for it mm -hmm. uh i picked up this bottle for two dollars <laughs> two dollars because i love my local bottle shop because uh if something sits on the shelf for more than like four weeks they clearance everything out and it's usually sub two dollars a pint uh so I, I i got cans uh that have been on the show before for 50 cents uh for for like a pint of sometimes not great but sometimes pretty decent yeah you're like for this price i don't care right you know and, and then that that is kind of the nice part because you're like it was 50 cents or a dollar i don't mind dumping this and just grabbing a new right one. exactly you know for, for 50 cents i'll try anything yeah won't buy a pickle beer but <laughs> <laughs> come on i got a new one i got a new one in you uh, gotta come over and try it. you need to talk to rhett because rhett went to a tap house out by his place recently and i guess they had a pickle beer and it was a pickle pilsner and according to him it tasted exactly like a cheeseburger interesting like like it's because well i have the the interesting about the the two beers i got mm -hmm. is a it's a pickle and mustard mm -hmm. and then i also have a cheese flavored beer mm. so really all i need is like a hamburger yeah or a beef flavored beer and a wheat beer <laughs> just kind of mix them together to mix it all together <laughs> yep <laughs> this is seriously delicious. Like I, I thought this was going to be like an hour long sipper. This might be gone by sponsor time. <laughs> like, Ooh, like fine. it's really good. Might have a couple. Well, good thing I brought extra just in case. Yeah, uh, I, this was the last one that they had, uh, and I'm really upset about that now. Uh, you actually sent me a picture of what that the clearance section looked like. Yeah. Uh, and I saw all of those cork tops sticking out, and I went, and I went. I wonder what what cork beer they're they're clearancing. That's weird. Um, and uh, and I showed up, and they had one of these in in that little shelf. <laughs> and I went, you know what? Everyone else bought it. I'm I might as well take one home. Um, yeah, I'm kind of upset. It's the last one now. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find more of these. Hopefully, they're not like seventeen a pint or something. Well, yeah, I kind of wonder if it like got better with it's one of those like gets better with age and then if it, it was like brand new everyone's like oh this is horrible it is a 2021 oh, and so it has been aging at least a year um or so maybe or it's one of those year. of like it needs it needed that extra aging yeah uh to just you know sometimes you can have that fresh beer and it's just uh it needs and you know it just needs to age the, the last couple of uh uh goose island bourbon counties exactly yeah they were a little like, young fresh but it's uh, yeah young is a good way yeah 
Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Just going for some more beer, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have a show to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Got, got lost in this one. Uh, it's that good. Uh, so... Recently, I did a review of a super micro server uh, that was one of the first uh, ice-like boards that came out. One of the... Uh, now, this has been around for one generation prior. I'm trying to remember what was previous to ice-like. Was it Cascade-like? Was it, I don't remember. Um, anyway, uh, they introduced a second generation feature with Optane DIM memory. That is persistent memory, excuse me, persistent memory modules uh, that you plug into a standard DDR4 SOT. And it's actually Optane memory that runs at memory bandwidth speeds. So DDR4, you know, 3200 transfer. Uh, incredibly fast, incredibly fast, way faster than we think of NVMe drives. Like we're talking in the... 10 gigabit per second realm, or sorry, 10 gigabyte per second realm okay. of, of storage. Uh, and you can get these modules up to like a terabyte in size. And so in one of these servers, you could install four terabytes of Optane storage that is faster than anything else you could put in there um, and use it as cache disk or, you know, disk caching and, and things like that. Uh, but this has been an Intel only technology. Obviously, it's Intel CPUs, Intel Xeon, Intel chipset motherboards with Intel Optane memory. Uh, that is until Kestrel uh, introduced to the market a PCI Express add-on card that utilizes an Intel FPGA to interface with AMD and ARM-based systems. Uh, so, you can, in a two-slot PCI Express X16, drop in up to four uh, Intel Optane persistent memory modules and have them work over the PCI Express interface with AMD and ARM-based servers. Uh, now, obviously, this comes with the limitation of it's not as close to the CPU. There is more latency. It's not as fast as straight-up DIMM modules would be. But the latency is a lot less than you would get off a traditional NVMe cache disk. Uh, and this is a really interesting method of doing this um, because this, uh, these Optane modules only work with Intel second and third generation scale CPUs. Uh, that is the Intel gold, platinum, silver, the weird ones. Uh, and uh, allowing them to run on competitive hardware, uh, especially when you look at AMD Epic Milan uh, as a potential platform, or uh, what is that, Alibaba's uh, 128 ARM core that's coming out uh, within the next year or so. That's a pretty enticing proposition to be able to utilize some super fast, low latency Optane storage uh, on platforms that have better per core performance, better efficiency, uh, and uh, a lot more PCI Express lanes at your disposal. 
Now, the only thing I didn't see, I didn't see a price or anything like that on here. And I don't remember when you reviewed yours, if you talked about the price. Optane think, Dims. Did you say you got yours used? No, no, no. Uh, uh, mine came in with... Uh, so I, I actually didn't review the tech itself. I didn't have access to a persistent memory module. Um, but uh, the server was capable of adding persistent okay. memory modules. Um, I, I talked briefly about the technology in that review video, but I haven't had firsthand, like, hands-on experience to it. Um, I'm hoping sometime within the next couple of months maybe to be able to get my hands on some of that type of stuff. Um, okay. I've been been working out a few feelers so to speak uh so uh yeah hopefully in the in the very near future I'll, i will actually have hands-on with some optane pmms and we'll see what it does uh but you get pci express gen 4 interface and like i said you can put up to four dims onto a single carrier card with an intel fpga uh, you're talking about bandwidth upwards of 80 gigabytes per second, uh, just with slightly higher latency and slightly less bandwidth than you would have to uh, DDR4 DIM. Uh, there is a translation penalty not running on a native Intel chipset, but it's not terrible. At least that's what Kestrel claims. Um, Really, really cool technology. Now, now again, there's some closer hardware tie-ins that Optane is capable of, that, uh, like, memory sharing and things like that, that might be a little bit trickier to implement on a PCI Express card for a server that wasn't designed to run Optane DIMMs. Yep. But the fact that you can use them as a standard cache card uh, is pretty intriguing. Um, now... You're correct. There, there was no price mentioned. Uh, this is one of those if you have to ask, you can't afford it <laughs> type yeah. deals. Well, yeah, and I was also looking at the power consumption too. It's uh, yeah. 75 watts, uh, and then if you want to accelerate, it's 100 watts per unit. Yeah. Uh, it's like, wow, that's a bit. Yeah, I, I have an eBay search right now that uh, fills my my uh, uh, email with. Uh, certain search terms that i'm looking for yeah. like I, if i'm looking for a specific camera lens or a, a, a specific model of graphics card or something like that to come available um i get alerts when things are posted um just to let you know an intel optane 512 gigabyte dim running at 2666 is 600 dollars used that's for a <laughs> single dim okay so if you want two terabytes of Intel Optane DIM storage, yeah. just the modules, not the carrier card, just the modules are going to cost you $2,400. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again, it's one of those like... You, no, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be for your home server. <laughs> it might be for mine. <laughs> oh, well, that's because for the average person, maybe for Jeff, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm putting some feelers out there. I'm I'm seeing what uh, you know how much pull that I have. Um, I will say I've seen dims go for as low as about two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars, although that's pretty rare. Um, but uh, yeah, I need to see if my new hardware is is Optane dim capable. Spoilers. Potential spoilers. <laughs> that'd be fun if we could, that'd be a fun video i have a really cool unboxing coming 
<laughs> I think didn't you have a preview of that on Twitter? There might have been a picture of that on Twitter with uh yes. with a hand truck full of boxes. Wonder who this was. <laughs> I don't know, it's a mystery. I don't know who possibly could have sent me four yeah, boxes. It, really? It's cuz it's not on the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Technically it wasn't on the box, it was just on the tape. Oh. <laughs> yeah should be a lot of fun and like i said i'm hoping to take a look at at some optane dims in the very near future uh whether i have to buy them or not so we'll see uh in other news this one i'm a little split on yeah um, i post that way too this is a very very interesting article and you can read it like three different ways uh now everyone knows i am all about the right to repair anti-soldering of of memory and graphics chips and cpus and whatnot into laptops for the sake of saving half a millimeter the thinness is a a red herring argument by a lot of manufacturers like we're trying to get it down to you know 0.6 millimeters and or you know six millimeters instead of 6.3 uh it, it's a misdirection to say we didn't want you to upgrade this and keep it running for the next seven years and said we'd rather you buy one every three uh you know oh sorry you only have 128 gigs of storage Ooh, that sounds like you're probably going to need our next entry-level model here in the next three years because 128 gigs that's not going to get you very far in 2025 uh every manufacturer is guilty of it at this point because apple got away with it uh Dell just announced they are introducing a new proprietary uh, type of DIMM. Yeah. Uh, so this is a DDR5 memory module that is going to be a compression-attached memory module, or a CAM instead of a DIMM. Uh, it is a slotted card in a very proprietary format. Uh, and the idea is this is a single expansion module that is not soldered onto the board and sets it slots into a socket and it has on it dual channel DDR5, which I find, which I find fascinating. Um, now Tom's hardware, no, no offense to them. Their first inclination was Dell is using a proprietary module to lock out user upgrades. That's a totally fair take. Um, I think that's definitely one take you could have. Uh, I'm always against proprietary slots or reusing standardized slots like USB or something else for proprietary expansion. Um, And... If this remains a proprietary or a one-generation-only thing, yeah, it's probably a bad thing. On the upside, you can look at it as Dell is probably saving money by not having to solder on DDR5 uh, modules directly onto a single logic board and sell uh, variants or different SKUs of logic boards 
that have different memory amounts on them or different solid state storage amounts on them. So you have an eight gig model and a 16 gig model and a 32 gig model. Well, that's three different models of logic boards. Instead, you can make one model of logic board and then make three models of cams that slot into them. And you still get dual channel DDR5. Now, whether or not Dell chooses to use this newfound power for good or for evil kind of remains to be seen because if you think about it, eventually these modules will probably hit the used market, which means if you bought an eight gigabyte model, you might be able to upgrade it to 16 or 32 by dropping in one of these cam modules. Well, you have to be able to get one of those cam You have to be able to get one of those cam modules. You have to be able to get an MXM graphics card. You have to be able to get a a low-volt, you know, Intel CPU and be able to socket it into a, you know, 479 socket instead of a BGA package. Like, in theory, this could go both ways. I mean, you are correct. If this is the first generation that they're going to introduce and then maybe continue with that. And then therefore, theoretically, when these get to the used market, you may be able to buy a bigger one, but you just want that memory and then you got a newer model, but mm-hmm. that slot still fits. Right. And it was a, it was a lower end. You can just swap them out, yep. theoretically, uh, if that's the way they're going. But like you said, if it is a one generation and they're like, look, it failed, no one bought it because there's a big mm-hmm. hoopla that it, you know, it's technically currently right now up, not ungrade, upgradable. Um, don't know. It, it is a real toss up. I, I didn't think of it the way you were thinking of it. And it is a really good point. I was actually going the exact same way Tom Hardware was going. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is horrible. Like, I, I'll never, you know, you're, I'm get, getting that one part and I can't buy the other part to upgrade it. I can't mm-hmm. go find some other RAM from some other PC that I probably have somewhere else right. and upgrade it. Right. And, it's not a standard port and it's not a standard slot. And you're absolutely right by that. I can't go to Best Buy and buy an upgraded module for this laptop. However, there are companies out there like Otherworld Computing. They make memory and CPU and thing upgrades for Macs that were that used to be proprietary. Now, obviously, Mac has gone the, the soldered route, but they used to make expansion cards that would fit proprietary Macs or would match Mac specifications for hardware, for memory, for storage, for all kinds of different things. Um, it's totally conceivable that a company could reverse engineer and produce a CAM module that you could upgrade your laptop with. Um, there's uh, Lenovo. Uh, I dealt with this quite a bit where Lenovo used... Uh, like, not NVMe, but they would use SATA drives that were in a similar form factor to your M.2, but it wasn't an M.2 connector. Uh, it was a different sized PCB. Uh, it was a proprietary layout on board, but the protocol was just SATA. And so eventually for Lenovo X1, you know, carbon laptops and yogas and things like that, some companies started producing conversion boards uh, that you could insert into the Lenovo and then slot in a standard SATA M.2 drive and it would mount up with the existing mounting hardware and you could upgrade your drive. So if you only bought 128 gigs, guess what? You can throw a one terabyte M.2 SATA disk in there now instead of having to use Lenovo's proprietary form factor. Um, So 
there is precedent for potential upgrades from third parties as long as there's a window open, as long as there are replaceable modules or they're not firmware locked to a particular module. Um, <coughs> Apple. Uh, you know, the new studios. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't necessarily see this as Dell trying to lock out a user. That might be one of their goals, but you have to consider from Dell's point of view, this could be a cost saving measure and the cost savings could go on to the end user because they're no longer having to produce multiple SKUs with different memory amounts on different logic boards. Instead, they produce the same logic board and then three memory mo or three memory SKUs and three storage mm -hmm. SKUs, and that's it. Yeah. Um, also, if this starts to push towards an open standard, you could have more and more PC manufacturers buy into this standard and start using it themselves. And to, you know, dual channel DDR5 on a single module is very intriguing. Uh, it, it is a very intriguing solution for what has been a solder only approach. There's less engineering that goes into uh, socketed systems. You don't have to lay out your motherboards and try to figure out, you know, circuit board layouts with all the memory modules that you need to fit on there. Instead, you do your layout for the memory and then you trace those back to the CPU with the socket. So this could be a win. Remains to be yeah. seen, but it's definitely not, it's definitely not a, a black spot. Yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's actually using a lot less power than if it was a dual slot mm -hmm. uh, system. So that's nice. That's really cool. That's going to be less on your battery. Um, and it also is curious, it could be just a way of you know, here's the new proprietary. It might just be just, I don't think they're maybe blocking the user from upgrading, but just like, let's just make it a little bit harder. Technically we're not, but for the savvy person, they can figure it out. You or I could probably figure it out. Right. For the person, I just need a laptop, probably not going to be able to figure out. Right. So they're probably going to go for the more expensive brand or the expensive one, mm -hmm. but it could still be a uh, savings to the end user, to the customer. Yeah. So maybe they're seeing it that way. So uh, we'll have to see when it comes out exactly what's going on. So the way you actually put it is now I'm I'm a little more intrigued uh, where beforehand I was actually kind of like, oh, this screw them for doing this. It's kind of really crappy. Yeah. Uh, we did get a super chat from Tech Geek. Yes. Thank you very much. $20. Much appreciated. Uh, evening, gents. A bit late to the party, but I made it here. Been playing with my 3D printer, trying to get it back working uh, and dialed in since it hasn't done anything since we moved nine months ago. Um, I love my 3D printer. Uh, I, I've done so many cool things with it. I've designed a, a number of parts. Uh, you saw the uh, ITX motherboard tray that I designed to fit into the Xbox with the proper height that I needed. Um, yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff. So. As a former CNC operator, I, I love getting back into that mindset and, and dialing in your, uh, your, your slop and it's just fun. I've always enjoyed, uh, both additive and subtractive manufacturing. It's a heck of a lot of fun. So good luck to you. Good, sir. Uh, hope it all works out for you. Hope you're able to, to dial in those, those, those thousands and, uh, enjoy. Uh, 
Gearling says, just finished upgrading my rack. It is ready. Very cool. Can't wait to see your uh, new and improved rack. Let's see. You know, not everyone can fit a rack at home. And that's a great thing that uh, we have a sponsor that might be able to help you out with that. Right. Today's video is brought to you by Linode. If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources to invest into hardware, power, cooling, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com craftcomputing and again a huge thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's video even when today's video happens to be audio only. <laughs> At least for the first eight minutes. Yeah. All right. How's your beer treating you? Pretty good. I mean, I've had this one, oh, four times now. Mm -hmm. So um, I still can't get used to that aroma of just how potent it is. <laughs> I'm it is. I'm really looking forward to it now. <laughs> I I... I, I like I want to drive over there this weekend just to give it to you and then have you film it like the next episode mm -hmm. or live uh, maybe like the next talking heads like with Rhett yeah and just crack it and just see your face because <laughs> <laughs> even when I did it with Steve Steve didn't believe how how much it smelled and he cracked and he was like whoa <laughs> when I when I did the review and then I set the can aside and I started a second one my wife came in and she was like are you smoking weed in here? <laughs> <laughs> That's how aromatic it is. My father-in-law said it reminded him of the 70s. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, this one oh, how's you, is... Sorry, but how's, how's your beer? Yeah, I was, I was going to go, oh, next story. Wait, wait, I didn't update mine. I am yes. still enjoying the heck out of this. Now, I talked an awful lot in the last section and uh, I haven't drank very much of it, but this is still delicious. Like, I am... Expectations are 80% of your enjoyment of whatever food or beverage you're about to consume. And and that also goes for, like, experiences. Uh, I was talking with, uh, with uh, Kyle Bitwit last night. Uh... He lives in LA, and I guess one of the first questions he always gets is, do you surf? And he's like, no, everyone from LA hates the beach. Like, <laughs> it just they just do. Like, there's sand everywhere. It's coarse, it's irritating, it gets everywhere. Like, they just don't like the beach. Um, and I said, what's really funny is Oregonians wax poetic about two different things, about the beach 
and about the mountains. And the mountains in Oregon are amazing. Uh, we, we have some of the best skiing in the world. We have these amazing hiking trails, ATV trails, like hundreds upon hundreds of miles of, of different trails and nature parks and things like that that you can go through. Um, then we have our beach. Our beaches suck. Oh, yes. Flat out. Now, I'm not saying I dislike the beach, but what I'm saying is a lot of Oregon Oregonians like to wax poetic about that one time they went to the beach in May and it was 72 degrees and no wind and there were only like 10 people there and and you had the perfect lunch and this campfire going and and you know the day was perfect i remember that day i was eight years old and i've never had an experience <laughs> like that ever again yeah. uh normally one. normally one. you arrive and it's high tide and the wind's going about over under about 40 uh there's sand whipping in your face there's a dead whale about a mile down down stream which is wafting your like direction wind is blowing your right it's like the oregon beach is awful <laughs> yeah i know and there's the fish market too on the other side <laughs> but we always go there expecting experience one and yep. we get experience two uh that's a long-winded way of saying uh i expected this to be a skunky farmhouse yeah. What I got was a gin barrel finished Marion Berry Pilsner like, you know, like it, it's almost like a very light, sweet Marion Berry pie where it, it starts a little fruity, but very sweet, not tart. You got a little bit of biscuit and then like you got a little thing of gin sitting next to you and you're just oh, it's wonderfully balanced. It is so good. So good. Uh, is it really a beach if the sand is actually gravel? A, a good chunk of Oregon's beaches are actually sand. There are some that are like river stone and gravel and things like that. That's actually the exception, not the norm. Uh, the norm well, is sand or yeah, or well, coastal cliffs. That's the other coastal, option. There's that or half sand, half grass still. Yeah, yeah. We we have a lot of uh, of dunes and grass and things like that. Yeah. Um, but no, the the majority of Oregon's coastline is still sand. Yeah. We got a couple of good breweries on the coast. Though. Oh, absolutely. So you get worst case scenario on a bad day, you go hop in a brewery, watch the storm go by. If you ever looking for a good view, uh, Fort George and Pelican both have great views of the beaches on us and great restaurant food fort george uh, top of the hill 7th street in astoria is one of the yeah. best views you can imagine uh, oh it's great yeah so that that's always the nice part is is a lot of the restaurant and foods always have big windows for the view and if it is a bad stormy day it's still very pretty to watch oh yeah uh i will say i love going to the Oregon beach, uh, we go to Cannon beach or, uh, seaside or a couple others. We'll go in like February when the storms are rolling in and yeah. we'll get a, we'll get an oceanfront view 
just to sit by like a, a fireplace with like a whiskey in my hand and whatnot and just watch the storms roll over. That is one of my favorite ways to experience the Oregon coast. And then you go out and you get some amazing seafood for, you know, for dinner and whatnot. And, and you go back to your hotel room and you're just sitting you're like, there I'm, sipping. I'm good. It's, it's yep. amazing. Yeah. That's how I like to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, sometimes I don't even like the sunny, hot coastal lines. When my brother lived in Florida and we'd go there, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. But honestly, I'm kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I do remember, uh, so I, I said, uh, I've only had like one good experience on the beach. No, no, no. I've, I've had many good experiences. Uh, I practically grew up on the Oregon coast. Uh, we had family over there. We went over, over there all the time. So I, I spent multiple months of my life on the coast. Uh, but, uh, there was one day just, gosh, maybe five years ago or so, uh, where I think we all decided to go in like, and we went to Seaside and our plan was to like, just visit the, sh the, the shops at Seaside because they, they've got oh, yeah. uh, this couple strip malls and, and a convention center and whatnot. And it's, it's always, you know, a good time. There's an old arcade and an old candy shop and it's like, it's, it's just fun. Yeah, yeah you do all those little uh, trinket shopping. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they've got a, a couple of antique rows. They've got some trinket stuff. They've got, you know, t-shirts and like, it's just fun. Um, so we went there expecting to, you know, just spend the day at the shops. Um, we get there and they were expecting rain. And so there's no one there. Uh, we were driving there and it just kind of like clears up on us. It's like, oh, that's kind of nice. Um, and, and by the way, these shops are on like this boardwalk that walks straight out to the beach. And it's a, it's one of Oregon's best beaches. It, it's, uh, hundreds of yards from, from the end of the boardwalk to the ocean itself. So you've got tons of sand and tons of room to spread out and have a great time. Uh, we're like, well, let's go check out the beach. So we went and parked and we got out of the car and it's 78 degrees. By the way, this is like arch. Uh, yeah. Like we just came from the valley and it's like 42 and raining. It's 78 degrees. There is zero wind. There's 10 people on the beach besides us. We're like, screw it. Let's get lawn chairs and a couple of beers and just like relax. And so the kids are are off digging and, you know, building sandcastles and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I took a nap. Like it was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you can have that day on the Oregon beach. It's not often. Uh, speaking of being somewhere else, uh, there's a new story going around about why you should be weary about VPNs. While VPN, in theory, is great for protecting your privacy, protecting your... So is HTTPS. HTTPS, for those who don't know, is... Uh, hypertext transport secure. It is a an encrypted uh, link between you and the website that you are visiting. When you go to your bank, it's an HTTPS website. Practically every website you visit these days is based on HTTPS. Basically, well, at least the payment section should be. <laughs> if you see, if you hit pay now, right. and it says HTTP, do not continue. Yeah, yeah back out. Um, but 
Look up in the top left corner of the browser you're in right now. There's a little padlock next to it. Or at least there should be. There's a little padlock right there. And if you click on that, it'll give you the certificate information and the security information and the current encryption that's being used by the site you're on. Um, and it tells you if it's secure and it tells you if you get notifications and it tells you what cookies are in use and everything else. Um, that's a good connection. What that means is no one between you and the per and the website you're on can see what information is actually being transmitted back and forth. Now, a third party who is observing this traffic will be able to see that my traffic right now is going to studio.youtube.com. What they won't be able to see is the context of that traffic. What is actually being transmitted unless they have a secure root certificate. Now, there are a couple different ways that uh, certificates can work. Uh, if you are, let's say, at a facility that provides public Wi-Fi, and I'm not talking like your mom and pop shop, because guaranteed that's a Comcast business router. Uh, airport, basically. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, let, let's say an airport. Let's say a hotel or convention center. Like a big facility that provides campus-wide public Wi-Fi. In those instances, typically their Wi-Fi systems will include a root certificate. That root certificate is able to parse the traffic that you are sending to and from uh, a website that you're visiting. So basically, it acts as a man in the middle. Uh, and it's a legit man in the middle because they don't want to be held liable for any traffic that's being transmitted that's not legal. And so they want to know what's being sent and received. But as part of that, you have to join their Wi-Fi network and accept their terms of use. And typically in the terms of use says that we have the right to view traffic that's on our network. Uh, so what they do is you will say, I want to visit youtube.com. Uh, you send a request to their router, their router will then rewrite your certificate and then request YouTube. YouTube will send a certificate. It will say, okay, I'm going to decode this with my certificate. I'm gonna re-encode it and then send it to the client. So the only time it's decrypted is out the router itself. But the router does have right to read the information coming in and out from both you and from YouTube on whatever connection you have. Um, that's a very basic explanation. Security experts, don't at me. I'm, yeah. this is for entertainment and basic education purposes only. There are tons it's of security the, places that you can go and read more. It's the telephone game. It, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the gist of how internet traffic works when you're viewing a secure site. And if you go to a site that has a root certificate and has authority to decrypt that traffic, uh, that's how it works. Um, well, how does this relate to VPNs? Well, VPNs are supposed to keep your traffic encrypted end to end, right? Uh, and in theory, that's great. Uh, in theory, that's, that's an amazing, uh, you know, proposition. I, I should be sending all of my traffic through a VPN, right? Well, there's a new report that came out. Uh, this particular article is posted by Apple Insider. Uh, but uh, I'm 
forgetting where the original oh here we go uh tech radar tech radar was the original poster of this um that uh the following vpns this is surfshark atlas vpn viper vpn vpn proxy master uh some rando vpn sounds like very <laughs> legitimate vpn and turbo vpn <laughs> Some rando VPN. Some rando VPN. Some no, I I really mean some rando, not some rand. Yeah, you get the joke. Uh, that these six VPN vendors are reportedly acting as a public router, in which they are installing on your device a root certificate to be able to man in the middle information that you're sending and receiving. Yeah. So, yes, from Surfshark, Atlas, Viper, VPN Proxy Master, Sun Rando, and Turbo VPN, uh, they are sending your data out encrypted. However, because they are issuing you a root certificate, they are also able to decrypt that traffic at their own facility and then retransmit it to you in a secure fashion. But... For the time that it spends in their facility, in their data center, in their pockets, uh, they're able to read unencrypted your encrypted traffic. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Mem yes. Remember how I've never done a VPN advertisement Sponsor. on this channel, sponsorship, etc. Um, now I, I will say I have worked publicly with Nord. Um, I did do advertisements for NordPass, and I've also been a backer and supporter of NordVPN. I've been a longtime customer of NordVPN. Um, and uh, the reason I'm a longtime supporter of NordVPN is because they are the only one that has gone through a full source code audit. That is an end-to-end all applications, all transport layers, all servers, all data centers, they've actually gone through an audit. And by the way, I haven't had a, a Nord uh, commercial transaction besides my being a customer of theirs since I want to say, I want to say September of last year. Uh, like, I'm still on good terms with them. I, I have a representative and whatnot that I, I deal with occasionally, but I've not ran an ad for them, I believe, since September. Uh, so this is not a sponsored piece by any means. Um, but one thing that happened with Nord is they, they did have a minor data breach. They did have a, an issue about two years ago where one specific data center was yeah. was breached and it was the data center that was breached not nord themselves nord was a victim of a breach uh in which in theory it was possible that a root key was stolen and that they could man in the middle just like this like this was the attack vector um they could man in the middle attack only if you connected to that particular node on nord's network um, and you were only vulnerable also if you also downloaded a, or you could also be vulnerable if you downloaded a, a malware infested NordVPN client. Like you had to have one or the other or both. You, yeah. this wasn't well, like every Nord customer was affected. This was a very, very yeah, specific like, uh, attack vector. 
yeah wasn't it like one node basically or wasn't someone got a hold of that node because it was yeah. a third party it uh, so, some someone physically breached a a data center that nord had servers hosted in yeah and because of i believe it was a non-password protected kvm got access into one of nord's servers and was able to inject code into it yeah, um so it wasn't Nord's server. Nord leased it to a third company, and it was Nord. Third Nord company. was leasing space from this data center. Yeah, um, but wasn't it because right. of the third company's policy that this mm -hmm. essentially happened? Right. Yeah. Now, everyone gave Nord all the crap, and in fact, I still incurred crap from some people who were not educated about the attack. Yeah, but, we're talking about and, and I did criticize Nord at the time for not disclosing what I considered to be fast enough, but they still disclosed the entire issue. They had a whole postmortem that was publicly posted, and I found that, that, that it was acceptable. It wasn't on the timeline that I would have wanted to see it, but it was still it the was full like, report that included like all information. Yeah. Nord is also, the again, the only provider that has gone through a full source code audit. They're the one VPN provider that I really trust. Uh, now, why do I really trust them? Well, because, sorry, wrong camera, Surfshark, Turbo, Atlas, Viper, VPN Proxy Master, some rando, hmm, they're installing a root certificate on your system and can view decrypted traffic on their servers. Want to see a problem with that? Well, now, hang on, Surfshark and Atlas are now merging with Nord. They are. Uh, and Nord is not implicated in implicated in this particular not yet no not this root. No. right so nord themselves are not uh but in the future in the next couple of months surfshark and atlas vpn are going to be merging with nord vpn um and i'm assuming they're going to be taking up nord vpn's backend code not surfsharks and not atlases yeah i i wonder if the the uh contract has already been finalized mm -hmm. Uh, or, or like they're gonna take a look at this and be like, uh, price renegotiated. Yeah. Um. So a representative for Surfshark did reach out to TechRadar and said the issue has already been addressed on the Windows-based client. Um. The Mac version was not addressed, nor were were any OpenVPN oh. protocols addressed. Um. So. But yeah. Uh. This this is kind of an egregious security breach and, and an egregious breach of trust if you are one of these VPN providers. This is not an acceptable way to protect customers' data by ensuring that you may have unencrypted access to their data as it enters your servers. That's the opposite of what you said you should be doing. Yep. And it is frankly unacceptable unacceptable at the at the best and straight up fraud at worst um it's why i don't do business with vpn providers um unless they're able to provide me with a full source code audit that is uh like i receive requests every day from pretty much every provider on this list and and add three dozen more uh, to, hey, we'd love to work with you. And I said, hey, I'd love to work with companies that are fully legitimized and, and actually do what they say they will do with customers' data. Can you provide me with a full source code audit from an independent third party? 
Guess what? Nord's the only one that's gotten back to me on that. Yep. Yeah. That's why I trust NordVPN. Yep. Not sponsored. I've been a long time customer of theirs, like like four or five years customer of NordVPNs. And they check all the boxes that I need them to be checked to be an individual customer of theirs. So, oh. Be wary of VPNs. Especially the stupid free ones. Right. I probably shouldn't even say this, but the the advertising that most VPNs do is keep all of your information safe. That's what HTTPS does. That's the point of HTTPS is to encrypt your data on your machine, send it to uh, the, the remote server, whether it be your bank, whether it be your email account, whether it be your Google search. And only that that site that you are intending to send data to can decrypt and view the data and then re-encrypt it and send it back to you. And you're the only recipient who can then decrypt the data that was sent to you on your own device. That's the whole point of encryption. Um, HTTPS already keeps your data safe, whether it be in a coffee house, whether it be in an airport or wherever you happen to be. Um, are there ways people can man in the middle of you? Yes, but they require a lot more effort. And, and I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying it's not a very broad attack vector. Um, you should still be leery of public Wi-Fi and be cognizant of where you're connecting to and do you trust the random Starbucks that you sat down to write your paper at. Uh, yeah, no, I, I will say if I'm at a Starbucks or some random place, I always make sure to at least turn my VPN on, even if I'm on my phone. Right, right. <laughs> um, and, and that's primarily why I do it, you know. Uh, but it's not this doom and gloom if you check your bank account at a random Burger King Wi-Fi that all of a sudden Burger King has your bank account information because they that's patently false. Yeah. Um, what it does protect you from is, let's say you got onto some CD website and downloaded uh, all six seasons of Breaking Bad. Well, now your ISP who, can't tell what you downloaded or where you did, visited, who, especially who if you're not using their DNS servers when you do such. Yes. So... I can't advertise that, but that's the purpose of a VPN. <laughs> so you're saying I can get Breaking Bad. Just saying, if you wanted to watch Breaking Bad, <laughs> maybe a VPN's not a bad option for you. <laughs> Getting around geolocations and breaking terms of service with with every streaming provider that you have, be it Amazon or Netflix Just don't get or Surfshark or Turbo VPN. <laughs> <laughs> Just know that if you're getting around geofence restrictions, uh, that Surfshark, Atlas, Viper, etc., can probably watch the same stream on Netflix that you're watching because they have unencrypted access to it. At least they did for a while. Speaking of all these different streaming services, hello, old friend. <laughs> Didn't think I'd ever see you again. I know. It is starting to become that 80 to $90 a month, huh? Right? Amazingly enough, they figure out how to, how to get just the right, right dollar amount, and everyone gets theirs. And, and if you noticed, um, 
everyone's trying to go subscription service. That's that's the latest buzz thing that oh, yeah. everyone on Wall Street wants is, well, how do we get all of our customers to continue paying us money every single month? Like, it's great that they've been lifelong customers and we get $300 a year, but what if we did every single customer gives us eight bucks a month? Like, like is that possible? Yeah. Well, CNN that, tried. That Oh god! <laughs> yeah, all ten thousand users. All ten thousand people <laughs> tried CNN Plus. God bless them. Um, <laughs> It'll be gone next month. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Hopefully, like, like Netflix broke the cable bump bubble and allowed people to actually cable cut for the first time in a in ever. Like, you didn't have to have a cable subscription or a satellite subscription to be able to get content like Breaking Bad or, you know, then you had HBO Go, which which got you Game of Thrones. But all of a sudden, like, everyone needs their own subscription service. And, and, and I'll say, I pay for Paramount Plus simply so I can watch Star Trek. And we're not talking about Star Trek yet, John. Don't get on it. Just using <laughs> it as an example that I pay for Paramount Plus simply so I can watch Star Trek every week. What do you think I do? <laughs> right, right. Um, but we also have our limits. Like, like I've got the Disney Plus going on. I've got Paramount Plus going on. I don't have HBO. I do have Hulu. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, I don't, so I don't have Hulu or Netflix, but my, uh, I, I do, technically I know some people that do. Right. That don't mind um, sharing. Right. So I have Hulu, Disney Plus, and Paramount Plus. Those are the three that I pay for. And I limited I, myself to three. I said I'm not doing any more. Well, luckily I got with my with my phones a couple of years ago when I signed up, they gave me like uh Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, was because I need I needed to upgrade to my in-laws because we're paying for this. So it came with the family package. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I, I get I get Disney with that. Uh and then my TV subscription, because my wife had to have certain channels. And so they only had those channels in the ultimate package mm -hmm. that gave me uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I'll take that. And uh, oh, and it gave us HBO Plus too. So, or whatever, whatever HBO's is called now. So those are the three I technically pay for. Yep. The other ones I, uh, family doesn't mind sharing. Only because, like, they have one TV they do it for, and they're like, yeah, we only watch this for really old TV shows. I'm like, oh, okay. Can't, and, and they don't even remember their password half the time. Yeah, where's the Nick at Night subscription? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would watch the crap out of Happy Days. <laughs> what I want is, I want Paramount Plus, uh, because they own, uh, doesn't Paramount own Nickelodeon as well? I think so. I think right? so. I think I think it's part of the same family. Um I want Paramount Plus to bring back all of the 90s Nickelodeon shows. And oh, and yes. what I mean by that is like are you afraid of the dark and all that and oh my salute God. my shorts oh. and like oh my God. like take me back. Yes. Although the resolution and the, the Oh, it's going to be god awful. Is horrible. <laughs> Do you remember the adventures of Pete and Pete? Yes, like 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 those shows. Oh, uh, Danny Tamarelli. Like like give me that. Coming out of high school, I'd, I'd be like recording stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, 
Uh, all right. Uh, well, I need a new beer because mine was only 12 ounces. Yeah, go ahead and open yours. I've, I've got just a little bit left of mine, so I'm going to slurp the rest okay. of this down. Uh, you open uh, up a 12-ounce next, John? I can open up well, I can open up a 12-ounce. Yeah, because that, or... that's what I've got next on tap. Okay, so I am going to do uh, a nice hoppy beer. And by that, I mean a barley wine. <laughs> I'm going to be doing Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot Barley Wine Style uh, 2022. This is a, I think it's just under 10, yeah, 9.6% mm -hmm. barley wine. Very good. I love buying a couple of these and then aging them. Yep. So I'll just go ahead and pour it in the glass. So interestingly enough, I also have a 12 ounce bottle that's next. Uh, so this is Sierra Nevada's 2022 Bigfoot Barley Wine. <laughs> ah. Almost like we planned this. What? What? Yeah. Uh, With our selection of beer, how random is that? Right. Weird. Um, not going to lie. Uh, so I know what today is. Uh, I went to the store today. I was in search of some Lagunitas Waldo. Mm -hmm. um, which I'm hoping you have at least one bottle for me. I have two in my fridge. So one for me, one for you. Mm -hmm. Good man. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, I, I was in search of a Waldo because today. Um, and I couldn't find the Waldo. But what I did find was that Sierra Nevada released their Bigfoot 2022. And I went, you yeah, know, I'll take a six pack of that. Um, so I got a six pack for 12 bucks, by the way. It's a good deal, right? Like, I'm going to go back and buy probably at least one more. I will say, I have lost more money in beer from Bigfoot than any other beer in the history of ever. Because a couple of years ago, so 2020, um, Sierra Nevada, on their website, you could order a an eight-year pack, an eight-year collection of Bigfoot uh, barley wines. And I went, well, that'd be amazing to get 2012 through 2020 in an eight pack and have like two of them, like, like have one to like go through in a year and then I'd another eight it. pack to like age and like add to your collection. Like that'd be awesome because, because yeah. I've had a number of them over the years and I've had like, uh, I believe in 2020, I had a, a 2013 and a 2015 and, oh, they were so good. Like they are such a great beer to age. Now, it'd be great to just, like, build a collection and actually have all the bottles, like, pre-aged for me. That'd be great. So it was $40 for an eight-pack. And I went, you know what? I'm going to buy two of them. I'm going to have one for one to drink and one to save. That's not bad, yeah. Um, they were delivered. I never saw them. Delivered. They were, they were delivered. Uh, was, this, was this delivered by the infamous... FedEx? I believe it was, actually. <laughs> and this is the story of how FedEx started. Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> what's funny is I used to have a great rapport with FedEx. Like, like I, I knew the FedEx guy that, that went by my house. Like, like I, like, he was a good guy. And, and all of my stuff always showed up FedEx. Like, I, I used to have a problem with UPS. And, and my UPS stuff would be damaged when it arrived. But all of a sudden, like, as of 2020... FedEx is all of a sudden on my list. Like, like FedEx is actually like sub DHL levels to me right now. 
if oh if, if it if it if it ships FedEx, I guarantee it's going to arrive broken or it's going to arrive about a week late. And and what's funny, my wife started catching on to this as well because she goes, uh, um, I ordered this package and and it said it should have been here on Wednesday, but its last check-in was on Monday and it was still in like Atlanta. And and I don't know, like, should I call? And I said, when was it supposed to be delivered? She goes, Wednesday. I said, okay, well, today's Thursday. Give it until Monday. And I I bet it'll show up. She goes, really? <laughs> All right, yeah. I guarantee, like on Saturday, it'll say it landed in Troutdale, and then you'll have it on your door on Monday. Sure enough, Monday morning it showed up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It just is what it is right now. And has been for the last two and a half years. We're understaffed. You mean you pay everyone crap and so no one cares? Yep. We're 60% short on on labor. Right. Well, it's because you pay $11 an hour. Yeah, I know. When my neighbor or my, my, my neighbor's kid is making $15 an hour to flip burgers, uh, trust me, you, they're going to flip burgers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not work crappy hours in an unair conditioned warehouse sorting boxes for you where your vans only have a fan right. and no air conditioning. Right. And then you're making them work 10 to 12 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was actually one of the first issues I ever had with shipping, like for craft computing, because I bought that as a business expense. Because why not? Um, and uh, <laughs> well, an investment for the, the company. and and it never arrived. It, it said delivered. It said dropped off at my doorstep. I don't have complain. those boxes. You should complain to Sierra Nevada. Yeah, I thought about it, but it was it was. It was right around the time that I was resigning, that I was retiring, uh, that I was going full time on YouTube. And I had so many other things on my plate that it was like three or four weeks before I realized that I hadn't actually received it. Because uh, mm-hmm. I ordered it, I, I believe, sometime around April uh, uh, of 2020. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds fun. You know, like, we'll, we'll, we'll get my, my whole pack of. Uh, of Bigfoots, and I'll finally be able to like compete with John as far as like the legacy of Bigfoots goes. I know, I know, your goes, yours goes back to like oh seven or something like that. Uh, I, yeah, I had a yeah oh eight. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's like, but you know, finally I've got like you know here's my here's my collection of Bigfoots. Speaking of that, uh, sorry to go. I know we got to get to a couple of articles. We got, we got a couple more, but, but we got time. But got time. Do, you, do you remember early on in the craft computing days, we took a road trip? to a particular place. We need to do that very soon. Again, because that place is closing down permanently and they are releasing all of their seller. What Uh, day is this? Uh, It's gonna be like a whole month long event. John, did I stutter? (laughs) I wanna know what day they're opening the seller. All right. Well, I will go do I, I the you, first I said, day. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think we should we should do one more of those. We we got to six in the morning. Carl's Jr. <laughs> we got to do a beer vlog. Beer we vlog is a, coming back. A beer vlog is coming back. Where it started is where it's going to begin again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We could probably get everyone this time too. I I bet we could. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. I think, yeah. So, like, as soon as I I heard that, because so the it's not because of you know lack of sales. The guy's just he wants to retire. Okay. okay. 
So well, it's good uh, that it's not like declining business. It's just more. No, no. He's like, I'm just. I want to. I want to just retire. Yeah. So. Uh, so for those who don't know what we're talking about, I want to say 2018. This was. Um, yeah. John and I did a beer vlog, and and if you search on Craft Computing's channel, beer vlog, you'll find it. And what it is is the Corvallis Homebrew Shop. Um, so Corvallis, Oregon, uh, once every six months, they would open up their cellar and their cellar is the perfect temperature for aging beers. And so this is a guy who owns this shop and he would buy cases upon cases of rare beers and he would just cellar age them. And once every six months, he'd go through and he'd go, We'll bring this bottle up and one of these yeah, and like, one of these. And he'd lay out like two or three like Costco tables, like the four foot tables in the yep. middle of the store. And he just like sticker price them. Uh, and so you get them for the sticker price. But they're like eight years aged. At proper temperatures. Aged. Yep. And, and perfectly taken care of. Right. And uh, so... From one beer enthusiast to another beer enthusiast, you wanted to, and, and it was a one day only event, one day every six months. Yep. Um, and so it that was a shop and a and a and an event you wanted to be at at seven in the morning when he opens. Oh yeah, it was like two hour, everything's gone. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Those tables are cleared out, and every time John and I went, it was like three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> we spent a Each. lot. <laughs> I remember that. That was fun. There were so many good beers there. I, I think in that video, I only spent like 200. I think you were still at 350 or something like that. I but, think I was, yeah. But we left with like range. four cases of beer. Um, yeah. Oh, it was, it was fun. Right. Um, at, yeah, it was at the time you were in the downstairs studio in yeah. your original house. And all of our bottles took up your whole deck. It was the whole table. It was just stuffed full of bottles. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, we absolutely have to to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's not going to be for like another month. Though I think he says it's May. Okay. So okay. we got a little bit of time. So you, we can we can plan it out for everyone. You go, let me know what day. Yeah. And and we will make that happen. All right. I that that story just remember reminded me. It's like oh, I have to remind Jeff of this because I know you're going to want to do it. Right. And uh, even if it's going to be a bad video, the, the, the beer vlog started with John and I getting into a car at six in the morning and, and driving, driving an hour South. And, uh, and what was really funny is we got there too early even. Yeah. And so we had to go to block 15's tap house and, uh, I had an old fashioned at seven fifteen AM. <laughs> It was a horrible fashion. It was a horrible old fashioned. Uh and then John goes, Oh, they have KBS on tap. You yes, that's right. like we should get KBS. But the line that that it that the KBS was fed through like had like a habanero beer through it before. And so it was this weird like maple syrup and habanero pepper. Uh, it was the weirdest flavor I know. God, You're it was like this is supposed to be good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's really good, right? You're like, no, 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 John. What? What the hell is that? <laughs> right. Um, but it made the trip memorable. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it did. And I remember coming out of the beer shop at like 8.15. <laughs> <It's> like... 
oh yeah that, that made buying beer a little bit easier though we're like yeah why not yeah all right why not yeah why not? yeah <laughs> Oh, it was so good. Yeah, that was such a fun trip. And yes, we will we will cap off his retirement with another said trip. Yes. And this time I've got an expense account. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna outdo me. This is a write-off. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Before it was like, man, I'm gonna get home and my wife's gonna yell at me and like yeah, that's your beer budget for the next two months. Now it's like, no, no, no. This is my beer reserve for the next two months. Like, this is an investment into content. <laughs> uh, gonna have to start aging beer in my place. You know, I have a, actually a nice big... I say crawl space under my house. Um, the shallowest it is... I can still stand fully upright. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my crawl space, John. Yeah, I have. I, I, yeah. I was, oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, you when, have seen yeah, it. Yeah, when you moved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There there was one particular incident that... Yes. Yeah. Uh, but no, there there's a crawl space under my house that you can slide into and stand... I can stand fully up at six foot four. And uh, it's underground, so it stays at a constant temperature. Like I could totally yeah. have my own personal beer cellar. Oh, and uh, there's actually a slab cut out in in there, just like a concrete, like six inch slab oh, sitting under there. You just need a couple of those metal racks from Home Depot or anything. Oh. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. I could have my own little beer cellar. You could. Why don't I? I don't know. And you could, just, you know, what you could do just have a live stream always posted at it. Just point a webcam at it 24-7. point a webcam 24-7. Jeff Seller. <laughs> Sign up for notifications whenever there's movement. Yes. Oh, he's grabbing it. No, he's just adding six more. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> the people sit there. I know you've got this beer, Jeff. Go get it. Yeah. Speaking of sellers and things coming out, uh, NVIDIA. NVIDIA and AMD. Both of whom... You can find on shelves again. What? Um, now, this story is gonna gonna be a little bit of a double-edged sword because it's gonna hurt. If you, if you've had to buy a graphics card in the last twelve to eighteen months, it's gonna sting a little bit. Um, so RTX three thousand series cards and AMD six thousand series cards are starting to appear just on store shelves. Like you might be able to walk into a micro center today and just buy a graphics card and not pay $1,500 for a card that should cost 800. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long time since you could get a graphics card at retail price, but, uh, I will say for the last couple of weeks, I've been able to buy graphics cards on Amazon for the price they should be selling at. And and there's a lot of tech media that are really hesitant to start like declaring it might be over. It, it might be coming to a close. It might be returning to somewhat normal. Um, but uh, there's a lot of graphics card board partners that are 
slashing MSRP. Uh, Asus in particular said they will slash GPU prices by up to 25% starting this month. And so by the end of April, they should be back to what NVIDIA said the MSRP should be at. Um, yeah. Uh, so if you've been waiting for a graphics card, if you've been... If you've been on the fence about upgrading, if you've been needing a new PC, May is going to be a pretty good month. Just going to say that. May is going to be a pretty good month. Um, I don't know how long it'll last, and I will say this, that through a number of different grapevines, um, I have heard that the silicon shortage is on its way out. But the raw materials for producing PCBs may just be getting. So if you see a graphics card and you want a graphics card and the date is May 2022, you might want to think about buying that graphics card because I think it's going to be a fairly short window. And that window is going to also affect any other PCBs that might be in your per per potential future, be it motherboards or add-in cards or things of that sort. Um, so yes, if you see a graphics card at retail price in May, buy it. pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Maybe buy two. Maybe buy two. <laughs> maybe, maybe hold on to one for a month and wait for the prices to go back up. Yep. Uh, like I don't invest in crypto, but I may invest in graphics cards. <laughs> <laughs> the fastest turnaround ever. Right? <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, good luck, Godspeed. I, I hope you're able to find what you're looking for. Uh, speaking of graphics cards, Intel. Uh, some of their discrete graphics cards, and in fact, a desktop level discrete graphics card, not just like yeah. a, a 10 compute unit little sure, yeah. laptop, laptop level thing, uh, but an Intel A770 ARC graphics card has been spotted on Geekbench. Uh so this is not this is not their flagship. This is not the A780. This is the A770, but it's said to have 512 compute units up from like the 96 of the Intel XE graphics. Uh and this is not the same process as the Intel XE. This is the the full-blown like let's do this desktop series graphics card. 2.4 gigahertz frequency and 16 gigabytes of GDDR6. This ain't no slouch. Now, the OpenCL performance leaves a bit to be desired as it's approaching RTX 3060 laptop performance. Not great. Not not a not a great look. But again, if this is a pre-production unit and maybe not reaching its peak frequencies or maybe not drivers are dialed in or whatever else the case may be, because I've heard Intel should be competitive with not necessarily flagship, but take a step down. It's not going to hit the 3090, but it will compete with a 3070 Ti or 3080. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to hit the 6900 XT, but the 6700 XT is within biting distance. Like, Like it might be in that realm. Uh, so whatever benchmarks have leaked, uh, take them with a, a massive grain of salt. Um, 
And I mean, just, just looking at this chart, uh, the Intel card is expected to uh, draw 175 watts and should compete with the 6700 XT or the RTX 3070 pretty reasonably, both of which are drawing 220 and 230 respectively. Uh, so if that's any indication of what you can expect for performance, oh, and if this card happens to be affordable and has a 16 gig memory buffer, this could be a pretty tempting proposition for people like video editors, content creators, people who need some more video memory and dedicated encoders. Like this may include Intel QuickSync technology. I'm, I'm not sure on that yet, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't included. Uh, this could be a, a boon for, for people who are looking for video editing level stuff, not necessarily focusing on gaming, but still might have some gaming jobs. Yeah. So, and it still has to meet that price point too, though, because if it is, I don't know, if it's only $50 competition and the fact that it might not be gaming level, but more editing, mm -hmm. I don't know then. Right. You know, but we don't know. Yeah. So, uh, John, I hate to do this. Uh, I need to take a 30 second break. So, uh, well, I can go into the next. Yeah. So, so someone was just knocking on my door, so I need to go see what's going on. So I can go ahead if you just want to hit that uh, article button and show it. Yeah, I will absolutely do that. Here's the article button, and I will be back momentarily. All right. Very good. So uh, we're going to be going on to some beer news now. And every year, Firestone Walker releases some of their specialty beers. Um, most recently now, they have been doing a lot of very cocktail-themed beers. Jeff and I have been really enjoying them. I believe they did a uh, Mezcal last year, and this year they are continuing with that theme. With the latest 2022 release, their Gold Rider. Now, what the cool part about this is, it is a beer inspired by the cocktail Sidecar. Uh, if you don't know what a sidecar is, is a very, very delicious cognac. Uh, cognac, orange, and a citrus. Maybe, a, I think it's a lemon. Um, so you have the sweet cognac flavor. So I'm betting it's going to be very malty. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be barrel aged in cognac or just inspired to have that. But I'm betting it's going to be very citrusy, orangey, and sweet. Um, and it should be available. Ooh anytime oh, actually i think it's available right now it's being released very soon usually these are released right around this time of year and the nice part about these beers is they're fantastic for aging they usually range between the 11 to 14 dollar a piece um i usually try to get two maybe three if jeff can't find one so i end up getting three two for me one for him <laughs> um but so far jeff and i have had firestone walkers cocktail themed beers and so far only one has been a hit and miss um but still extremely exceptional and i think a lot of them do hit the notes of a lot of the cocktails now jeff this is a brand new firestone walker sidecar uh, sidecar i'm excited I'm i am excited, excited. I, so. i've had a number of of the firestone walker cocktail series uh, John and I famously reviewed uh, The Old Manhattan. Uh, you can go check out that video on John's channel. Um, and I will say the video did not do that bottle justice because no. we had we had two bottles of The Old Manhattan and we had one before we shot the video. Uh, and we, we 
paired that with Steve. And so we each got like a, a, a good solid, like five or six ounce pour. And, uh, it was amazing. Tasted we all love just yeah. like a Manhattan. A little bit of carbonation, a little bit of bitterness. That that vermouth note was so present and so so fantastically delicious. It was it was barrel aged. It was oh, wonderful. Everything you want from like a Manhattan style beer. Exactly. And then we tried it on the on the on the review video, and John and I both 20- and John and I both took a sip, going, "Oh, this is gonna be great," and we went. What's wrong? It, it, what? Yeah. <laughs> it, it tasted like chocolate or burnt chocolate. It was burnt. Was like, yeah. Burnt chocolate, burnt butterscotch. It was kind of yeah, that, was, that like something wasn't right. Yeah. I was like, and it was, I bought it at the same bottle shop and it was one and two mm-hmm. and we had it 24 hours apart, mm-hmm. stored the same temperature. And it was like, what's going what on? What the hell is that? Yeah. So, but uh, I do love a good sidecar. It's got a multi citrusy back. Yeah. I'm betting this is going to, I'll, I'll probably pick this up. You know, if you can't find it, I'll probably pick one up for you. Uh, but I'm expecting a lot of orange and a lot of citrus with sweet notes. Yeah. You know, that sweet cognac. Yeah. So looking forward to trying one of these. And I think it'll be a decent, usually about 11 to 12 bucks a box. Yeah. No, I mean, great I'm great for aging. Yeah. They're very reasonably priced typically um that they've done an old-fashioned uh i still have a bottle of your tequila sunrise yes the te- that's right yeah. i thought i said it was a mezcal but it was a tequila yeah sunrise. tequila sunrise yeah uh so i still have that bottle i've been aging it for you for almost three years now did you realize that i've had that bottle that long <laughs> and i have not opened it scouts on her <laughs> Oh yeah. We still got to do that Fort George. We still got to do the Fort George. I still have that bottle too. I forgot about that. Um, gosh, what else do I have? Uh, we, we should do like one night of like all of these cocktails. So where where you go and make, you go make all of these cocktails. Yeah. And then we have to compare it with the beer to see how well it works. I, and then I'd be totally down. That would be a very fun video to do. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it'd be also very fun. Uh, we love our good whiskey and bourbon and we also love our mm-hmm. very fond dragon's milk. And now they New Holland did come out with a couple of spirits, but they were there. I mean, they were only about two years under two years aged right now. New Holland is about to release a proper five year plus bourbon. A, they're calling it the New Holland's dragon milks origin yes and so it is over five years aged in charred oak barrels uh now this isn't the arrow barrel aged in new holland dragons milk barrels right uh but it is uh using the same grains and using a lot of the same process using a lot of the same mash bill right mash bill yes exactly so it's not aged in dragon's milk barrels like the other ones are and those are I think like a year and a half to two years, as they yeah. say, they're a bit more flavor. If you like more of the flavored whiskeys, yeah, um, they have like the Sin Fire version, a vanilla, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Uh, this is supposed to be a straight bourbon whiskey style. You drink this neat, you know, smooth esque yes. type thing. I am really wanting to try this for all of my Michigan peeps, and there's a lot of you. Yes. There are ways to ship bottles. Mm-hmm. There's a P.O. box in the description. If one shows up, one may reciprocate with like certain Oregon beverages. Like 
I'm just putting it out there. It's not a request, and it's not a guarantee. I'm just saying... You know, it'd be an, a very wonderful surprise for... I, I'm just saying a little quid pro quo. It's, it's not, you know... Yeah. Something may arrive at my P.O. box. Something may depart from my P.O. box. <laughs> Return to sender with different stuff inside. Right, right. Like you may get a box back and the contents may change. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Who knows? I mean, the postal service is weird. <laughs> we just will make sure not to post at FedEx. Yeah. <laughs> Like Mitch Hedberg says, I like the FedEx driver because he's a drug dealer and he don't even know it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes. Uh, John. Well, we got some time. It is 940. Yeah. You know what that means, Jeff. It's time for some Picard. That's right. Uh, da -da. Uh -huh. can, can I just say, I, I, I want to point out one thing. Mm. Is this not the most annoying intro in all of Star Trek? The, the, the opening song? song for Picard season two in particular. Oh, okay. Now, I, now season I, one was wonderful. It was 30 seconds. It was the little, you know, piccolo kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I loved it. It, it you know, yep. it, it was uh, reminiscent of, of Picard's flute and, and whatnot. Uh -huh. It's like, it was great. It was, it was only 30 seconds. I didn't hate it. The new one is like 90 seconds long and it's I, I, awful. I did make a note of when, when we were doing episode one, I think I might've mentioned it, might not have, but I didn't, the, cause I remember like, I forgot to print my notes out yeah. and I forgot it. But one of the notes was they changed the theme song. I don't know how I feel about it. It is so long. Like, like I, I'm the kind of person that when I binge watch a show, I hate the Netflix skip intro. I, I don't mind watching the intro because I feel like that's part of the experience most of the time. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that kind of gets you into the mood because just like my videos, there's a reason I do a, a, a six or seven second intro and then I flash my logo and I'll, you know, yeah. you've got, it's part of the experience. It's you, part of the you flow throw the hook in and everything like that. Yeah. It's exactly. part of the flow of what I'm trying to do with this medium. And I feel watching the intro for Futurama or Archer or so I feel like it's relevant to the experience of watching that show, uh, breaking bad, like, and those are great because they're between 15 and 30 seconds and they set a tone and, and okay, I'm ready for this episode. Yeah. With Picard, they've been doing like, six or seven minutes and then all of a sudden there's and that's the problem I, I, yeah. I think that's part of the problem um, so what how Picard is being staged is they do the previously on Star Trek Picard like let's catch you up and I don't mind those segments at all that's fine I think they're yeah. great um, but then they'll drop you in and they'll do like six minutes of prologue and then they'll do a 90 second just like visual yeah i know well generic I guess, I guess because i mean if you remember all the other syndicated star treks were long intros but i don't know it, it just felt better but it wasn't that artsiness it was here's the adventure that they're going on and this is but the old intros were only 30 seconds long were they not? tng no. ds9 voyager those intros are between 30 yeah. and 40 seconds 
Yeah, the, but yeah, it's, Picard uh, season two is ninety seconds long. It it does it does feel off. It drags so long. Because I remember enjoying the first season's intro, I'm like, okay, it's different, but I kind of like it. Yeah, it's very reminiscent. Right. This one, I don't know. Uh, I think the only part I like is I think the last two or three seconds mm -hmm. where it kind of sounds like old Star Trek. You get a little bit of that orchestra and, and, yeah, and deep brass coming in. Yeah, yeah, there's some trumpets or something. And I was like, oh, I like that part. And that's every time I watch the intro, I'm like, I just like that part. Right. Yeah, it, it it's too flowy. It's too... It, yeah. It's a completely different tone because this, this season of Picard is especially more intense it's more anxiety ridden it's um and i don't and know what's going too. to happen and that's wonderful and, and that's the thing too is the old star treks even the modern ones every episode had the same thing so it was a it kind of kept with the theme of the show right if you change the theme every season it's like wait what, what you're 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 changing how my how i perceive the show now i don't know where i'm at right yeah um so that aside Episode, was this episode six? We are six and seven. Six and seven, okay. Uh, episode six, episode seven. I don't remember one flowing into the other, but I do remember that... This is, this is they have to uh, uh, go into the gala. The, episode six that, is they okay. go into okay. the gala. Um, is episode six... Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, they, they rescue Rios from, from ice in episode five. Uh, they all kind of reconvene and they, they do a plan of attack for, we have to, to keep Rene Picard going on this mission. That's the yep. whole point. And so they're going to this gala where they're presenting all the astronauts and photo ops and everything else. And Rene Picard is dealing with this deep anxiety of, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I won't make the right decision. They're counting on me and I'm going to blow it and, and, and everything else. Um, which I thought they did very well. Um, well, I, I did like the twist. I mean, it, it is very characteristic of the twist. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I did enjoy that. Is So essentially there's a watcher that Picard finds that looks just like his Romulan. Like Laris. Uh, Laris, yes. Uh, and she just takes him away. And that was the end of episode five. And That's the right. beginning of episode yeah. six, it's the two of them talking. And, and then Picard and uh, finally gains her trust, yeah. essentially. Because he says, my name is Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. She's like, interesting. I have to protect a Picard. Right. I'm um, protecting your ancestor from. Yeah. Yes. And so, and then he said, she's, you know, he goes on to say, uh, she's having some issues at, with her therapist. And then Picard says right. something like, who's that voice? It sounds familiar. Can you expand the view? That son of a bitch. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so we see that uh, Q is her therapist. Yeah. And has been encouraging her, basically uh, saying, yes, you are not good enough. Yeah. Uh, basically encouraging all of her doubts, saying you need to probably rethink your life. Uh, yes, explore those feelings more, yeah. more and more. Um, so uh, the plan is they're all going to attend the gala. And uh, uh, they're going to try to infiltrate and get access to Renee and get her to not drop out in the 15 hours prior to quarantine in which she's locked in and has to launch uh is is the whole theory however in the meantime girardi's been hanging out with the borg queen uh well the borg queen's been hanging out with girardi um uh, 
it's like an NSYNC album. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden, no strings attached. Right. Um, so, uh, so the Borg Queen gets access to a local telephone network and calls in because there's weird sounds coming from the old Picard Manor, and I'm scared, and someone's being hurt, and I'm a, and. Uh, uh, gets a police officer to investigate, breaks the cloak on the ship, so the police officer walks on board the La Serena, um, and the Borg Queen, like, starts strangling him. And Girardi realizes something's wrong, runs back to La Serena, um, and with a, with, with a, with a, with a stagecoach shotgun, like, yeah. a, like an old, old 10 gauge double, double barrel, barrel yeah. um, and, uh, shoots and kills the Borg Queen. Uh, and uh, she goes, I think I just killed her only way home. But the end of the episode is the Borg Queen's failing, fainting moments. Uh, fleeting moments, rather. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we could have been so good together. And, and why did you do that? And, uh, uh, um, and touches her face. And then we see. And so Girardi walks up to the Borg Queen. And the Borg Queen reaches out a hand and touches Girardi's face and assimilates Girardi. And so now Girardi's got like a little Geppetto Borg Queen on her shoulder. Yeah, and so we we see that in this. So they the the crew starts a kind of Ocean's Eleven scheme to get into this highly sophisticated, uh, you know, gala. And it's I I want to about- know how on the Lost Arena, uh, they managed to get a USB key formatted to FAT32. Like that's what I want to know. <laughs> anytime like well well if the replicators were at least they didn't say sequel (laughs) Um, at least at least sequel was phased out sometime between discovery and tng like that's what we know we we hope so well well (laughs) sequel is canon in discovery it still exists probably call it like sequel plus (laughs) right sequel three yeah but they're Um, still running the the license free my sequel 2.0 so maybe maybe they're on mondo db i don't know it's not even enterprise yeah they're on mondo Uh, it's my sql (laughs) (laughs) um uh, so yeah, so she, the whole plan is for her to uh, Gerardi or Gerardi to get captured, and um, she will then hack the system. Well, she gets captured, and then the Borg Queen is kind of like she's doing the Geppetto thing where she can only see her. Yeah, I was like, so what are you gonna do now? Right, uh, you're handcuffed, and you know huh. this humorous uh, back and forth between them, which actually is pretty. Which by the way was fantastically simple. well done. Like, yeah, like it, very, it, very... it could have been so cringe. It could have been so, but Girardi and, and the Borg queen, the, the actors that play them, Alice and God, who plays Girardi? Um, um I, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Allison pills. Uh, yeah. so, so yeah, there's Alice and Allison. Um, God, they were freaking fantastic. It was, it, it the, the, the two of them work very, it was together. such a good, such a good pairing between those. Um, yeah. and, uh, uh so anyway, uh Girardi's goal is to get arrested and and get taken to the security room because why wouldn't they take you to the central hub of the security yeah. infrastructure when you're No, they're going to take you to the freaking basement. Like like <laughs> no. let's be clear. Like they're either going to do that or they're going to call law enforcement or come, anything come else on, and, it, and trespass you. 
It is perfect Star Trek writing. It, it was, it was Ocean's Twelve writing at best. <laughs> I know it was. It was not very good. Right, but, like like uh, when when you when you find someone who's party crashing, you don't take them to your head of security, in, yeah. in in like the most secure room in the facility. No, you already know they're not supposed to be there. Don't take them deeper. Yeah. Um, God. Uh, whatever. It was all right, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, so eventually she she uses the Borg Queen to help her out and then uh, implants all of the data. The very last second, you know, yeah. they have to do the whole, oh, can you please You're check not a 72-year-old doctor. Yeah, uh, please check that again. And, you know, last second you see the, the screen fizzle out. Yeah. Tap, tap, tap. Yeah. I guess it's okay. Yeah. You know, obviously modern technology always has fizzy screens and you tap it and it works. Right, right. Let's just blow into the USB John, when's the last time charging? you saw static on a screen? <laughs> well, I actually had not yet. Sorry, sorry. Static. Bad question for you in particular. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, uh, they get access to the party um, and Picard goes, something's wrong. I need to, I need to see Renee one-on-one. And so, acting weird. And, yeah. and so he, and yeah, Renee's like doing shots of Jack at, at the bar and going like, I can't do this shit. Oh, no, it was, it was, it was, was it Rios that, that Rios first approached her doing Jack? No, 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 no. R- Rios and Girardi had, had a little thing because oh, yeah. uh, uh, Rios goes, I care about you. And so Girardi kissed him. Um, and he's like, well, that was weird. Uh, oh, yeah. But, uh, but not Laris and Picard are, are watching, uh, watching Renee and she's just slamming yeah. down whiskey at the bar and he's like, is this normal? And she's like, well, it's not abnormal. Uh, and he's like, I need to go talk to her. So he starts approaching her at when who should show up, but Adam soon. Yes. Brent, Brent Spiner's going, you got any more of them soon characters that can play? I know. Uh, basically that is a strong play- genetic line. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, anyway, so Soong approaches Picard because Q approached Soong and said, I have a problem. We have a common enemy that I need you to dispose of, shall we say. Uh, he's going to try to approach Renee, and you can't let him. You need to get in his way in any way possible. And uh, so he's blocking him, and, and they're thanking Soong for his multi-million dollar donation to, to the foundation and whatever else. And he, he gets ultimate access and is a VIP. Right. And there's, and they said, is there anything we can do for you tonight that would make your, 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 you know, evening, evening more, more special. Better. Actually, you could see that man over there. If you could like arrest him and get him up. And yeah. so security starts coming for Picard. So the board queen kills the lights and Girardi has her singing. them. Yeah. So she, she distracts everyone because the board queen takes over. Because in an act of desperation, they needed some form. They needed of distraction. a distraction. So she says, "Let me take control of you. Yeah. I will distract everyone." Yeah. And then it kind of she does this big singing number, and then she kind of enjoys it. Yeah, she gets that endorphin rush, which is what the board queen needs to take control yeah. of her psyche. Because because during that it was almost some uh, form of weakness, and so the board queen could dig deeper into her brain and psyche to take more control correct and uh from there on the boar queen had a higher percentage of control (laughs) uh zachary says hey man if cobalt still exists for us now i believe their ship can still format fat 32 (laughs) (laughs) 
Legacy support kept Fat32 into the 25th century. Yeah, it probably did. Um, I hope it's open sourced by then. Like, like I, I just hope there's no licensing involved. Because that would suck. Uh, maybe someone is running a Raspberry Pi on an SD card. Totally could be. Um, <laughs> yeah, with that ship, you never know. Well, yeah. also, you got to remember, this is the alternate future where that ship came from. So we don't know... Yeah technically true. what tech they were using honest honestly the corporations probably won it's probably some amalgamation of windows and java like probably. it's it's actually probably just windows 11 it, it, it's probably solaris windows 12 like <laughs> well weren't they calling for like cortana oh no wait that was i'm sorry that was halo <laughs> <laughs> For those who didn't get the Solaris joke. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, okay, yeah. So so then during during the singing part, um uh what what was uh Renee? Renee Picard, yes. Yeah, Renee walks into like the hallway uh of like a museum area where there's like an old spaceship or a ship. Yeah. And Picard puts on a jacket of kind of um an old security guard type right. of a deal an usher yeah. or something i believe and kind of walks around and sees her and, and almost is like i thought of it as kind of the groundskeeper role at the academy to where and i forget the what the groundskeeper name was um in tng and voyager <laughs> no java died in 2047 <laughs> finally <laughs> only ran on 38 billion devices well, that's what it still claims as of today, still. And it probably will claim that back in that future. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then he starts convincing her and does, you know, the Picard words of wisdom. And she does the whole, oh, do you know me? And you seem like a very nice guy. And kind of kind of does yeah. that. And so kind of convinces her to just go for it. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. Uh, so they're walking back. And this is at the time where Soon basically realizes he failed. So, so Soon takes his Tesla Model X because why not? I was gonna say the Tesla. Yeah, got got a little Tesla ad drop there. Uh, Soon takes his Tesla Model X and tries to run over Renee, and instead hits Picard, and Picard goes into a coma. Yeah, well, she Picard pushes her pushes away. Renee out of the way. So, yeah. So that's the end of episode six is Picard's in a coma. And then episode seven happens to where they take Picard and they're like, we can't go to a doctor. So what doctor do we know? Well, there's the, the one who doesn't ask questions. The, the one who doesn't ask questions. So they uh, take him over to there and um, <laughs> hook her up. And she tries to defibrillate Picard. And lo and behold, this is where the cyborg genetic a little suddenly all the copper lines that replace his neuro net are uh are interacting with the defibrillator um maybe you had faulty equipment i've i've used that machine a thousand times and never once has it and uh i I love the uh like you can't go in there right now why you just can't uh and then and then finally it's like are you from outer space and he goes no i'm from chile but I work in outer space, uh, which is a great callback to uh, Star Trek Four, the best Star Trek movie. Uh, 
Uh, oh, the wait, which one? That would be the. Are you, are you from outer space? No, I'm from Iowa. I just work yeah, in outer yeah. space. Yeah. Yes. The uh, oh yeah, that, that's the uh, whale one. Yeah. Yeah, the one with the whales. It's called the voyage home, John. Yeah, the wh- no, it's the whale. It's one. the whale one. Um. The yeah. The Klingon ship takes on the shipping, the fishing company. Yeah. <laughs> We're whalers on the moon. <laughs> That's where it started. Um, although then it kind of showed you how small a Klingon ship actually is. Right. It's <laughs> like, oh, that thing is tiny. Yeah. Um, they weren't. They weren't built for comfort. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, was it Gerard? Not the not not Gerardi, but um, what's it? The Romulan girl. The non-Romulan. Not Laris. Not Laris. Thank you. Uh, uses a. Uh, what is clearly a Romulan earpiece because it's pointed and it's like, oh, okay, that's not a dead giveaway. Hmm, I wonder how, to... they, how they did that. Um, yeah, oh, and it turns out Laris, not Laris, is actually still Romulan. Yes, I know. That's later. But she uses this mind device and somehow back hacks it to yeah. go into Picard's dream, which is half the episode is about Picard's childhood and how... He hates his dad, and but his dad was actually protecting him because his mom was actually psycho or had uh, not psycho, but she just had uh, trauma in her life um, and then tried to protect her. But because was because Picard was a child, which I thought this part of the story was very conflicting with the original series of Picard. I was like, eh, this is a stretch. Um, I'll just ignore. I, I, I'm just going to ignore. I it. actually didn't mind that particular sequence. I didn't mind the mind meld. I didn't mind the exploring memories that you may not have recalled or may have remembered. I don't know. No, I don't mind. I don't mind that. What I mind is the idea of that Picard uh, through this whole season mm-hmm. is that's obviously issues with my mom and my dad. Yeah. And the, the original series talked about how his dad did not like him going to space and was a farmer and, right. and, you know, liked to stay at the vineyard. But now we know he was actually more of like a psychiatrist, not a no, I, I No, I, I think that was a personification of... But he was wearing a Starfleet uniform. He was wearing, yeah, his dad was not Starfleet. I, I think he was picturing counselors that he's talked to who may have been starfleet um but with his dad as as the role player and so i I think there's a lot of layers to this whole psyche that we could break down i'm not a psychiatrist myself but i didn't mind any of those scenes because but okay he's picard is also the youngest picard where there's an older brother where is the brother in all of these sequences Oh, uh, and, and so the mother then theoretically, uh, it, it, the whole concept this season comes off as Picard's an only child. It just feels that way. I, I, now they don't hint either way, but it just feels that. I don't know. I didn't necessarily get that either. What what I got was that um, Picard felt very strongly for his mother, um, that, and yeah. and wanted Picard's to help her the best him. he could. But his father was also trying to help his mother and his son the best he could. And sometimes mental illness takes many different states. Sometimes 
there's manipulation that you're not aware of. Sometimes you could misremember things or or be on someone's side when when they're very convincing and you may not get the whole story. Yeah, I they just it didn't I guess what the way they were just portraying it and the relationship within the memories seemed as a single childhood household to where we know it wasn't. It was a duel Right. And then it was, I believe, even the episode where Picard comes home, he was always talking about father loved you the best. Mm-hmm. And in Picard's memory in this season, it is my dad didn't love me at all. Well, well, it's well, it's He's a monster. Right. Well. There's always been this weird. And, and Picard always had. Picard always kind of resented his dad because he disapproved of him going to Starfleet. Correct. And there's always been this seeking of approval from Picard as a character because, um, like it, like look at generations because generations is really one of the first episode or one of the first times where we see a vulnerability, where we see a vulnerability in Picard that he's no longer project or he's trying to project strength, but he can't um, like before he's been able to mask it very well. And, and, you know, maybe Deanna's broke through a couple times or Guinan said the right thing. And, and we get like a, yeah, no, my, you know, I was always seeking approval from my father or whatever else, but in generations we see uh, he, him talking to Troy and he goes, you know, I, I grew up hearing about the Picards who, uh, formed the first Martian colonies and the, and the, and the Picard who did this and the Picard who did that. And he goes, I've never been able to live up to that legacy, but here you have Picard Jean-Luc saying, I've never been able to live up to the Picard family name. And with what Picard's done, like what else do you have to prove, man? Yeah. Uh, and, and so like we start to hear about that in generations and I feel like they're finally starting to re-explore that a little bit in Picard season two with that. There's always been this thing that's haunting me. There's always been this thing that's like my father disapproves of me and my mother was the only one who loved me and I, I, I have to save my mother. And then he finally finds out, well, my mother was mentally ill and my father was trying to save her too. Yeah, but I don't think, but the thing is, though, from at least from my recollection, I could be wrong. Um, I, I had that did not re review the TNG to go back, so I'm just going off of memory, right? But I believe it was the only reason the father got disappointed in him was when he was more of a teenager, wanted to go into space. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, he was the favorite child and loved by his father, right? Right, and this is that that's where I was like. Uh, it just seemed like okay this could be a, if they didn't mention certain episodes in the past it's just a little conflicting i'm not saying the story's bad but it's like to me a little conflicting um in certain aspects however i did love the psychiatry scene did. of the very beginning because it came off of like this guy's more of a hologram and this is uh almost possibly taking place in the past right um and because it kind of came off like he's a this this almost in a hologram th- this almost felt like either a hologram or he's back in the nexus or this is a q interrogation or something some, like like it was so reminiscent of some past episodes but you can tell this is something a little bit fresh there's a fresher wound right here yeah 
And so. and I thought, like, so far, I'm giving better marks to Picard season two than I did to season one. Um, the the overall flow is so much better, where there there's not as much lull or downtime or anything like that. We're still getting character development, and and I love what they're. Do- I actually turned to my wife this last week when we were watching episode six and I said, how in the world is Jerry Ryan taking a backseat to Allison pills? Mm. How in the world is, is all of a sudden Girardi being this amazingly well-developed character over seven of nine. Yeah. And, and they're doing it so well where I still care about, seven of nine and i still really like rafi and i still and rios has been amazing this entire season rios yeah the rios is one of those the another but all of the characters have like taken this next leap and and girardi's taken two and 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 especially like i said her her interaction with the borg queen and the back and forth that's going on there the borg has been amazing is is really good I, i really enjoyed that's been really good I do have a critique though, and I really hope the next three episodes fix this because they. But still we only have three to go. Done. Four to go. I know. Four to go. Seven, eight, nine, no. ten. Uh, we we're on. We were watching. We did, watched seven last week. Did we do seven. So yeah, I thought that was we're doing six. seven. No, we're we're talking about seven right now. Where the the he's in the dream sequence. That's seven. Okay. Um. So we got eight, nine, and ten left. Okay. There's been very. Oh yeah, seven was cue. monsters. Okay. Yeah, there's been very little cue has been and and with a most cute episodes uh are very heavily cute because he's such a great character you're still thinking um, like a been, human been, yeah, yeah there's been great glimpses of well that's interesting right like why don't they expand on that come on i think they're on? going to like now, like i said they- the storytelling and and the overall arc of of emotion and tempo and what have been so much better in season two than they were in season one. So um, this, this, this is where I think it, that they have a redeeming point is okay. So here let's, so eventually uh, Picard gets out of his dream sequence and it kind of figures out himself yeah. and then realize he has to go back to Guinan, yeah. young Guinan. Yeah. And he sits there and kind of realizes this whole lesson is actually not about Picard, mm-hmm. like it usually is, where Q's trying to teach Picard a lesson. Yeah. It might actually be that Q needs help with something, yeah. and he needs to personally go through something, and he's asking for Picard's Let, help. Let's make this lesson about Q. Let's turn the tables. This has always been about my failings. What about his failings? What about his issues that he's trying to work yeah. through? Um, and uh, And... You know, Picard said said in episode one, "You're not well." Like, mm-hmm. like he's looking at Q and going, "What the is wrong with you?" <laughs> acting different. You're yeah, acting. Like you're weird. Weird, irrational, unpredictable, and you're Q for crying out loud. Um, yeah, it's. But like I said, the the storytelling and the tempo has been absolutely fantastic, and I find unlike season one, where. It felt very episodic. It felt very old school TNG where every they, episode they, gets a nice little bow and you can take it or leave it. And yeah, there's some character tr- building, but they come right back to square one in the next episode. 
Except they for like, to, yeah. except for like eight, nine, ten. Like, like that was a good progression. Eight, nine, ten. This season, every episode leaves you with a little bit of a Breaking Bad feeling. Now, I'm not saying it's as good as Breaking Bad by any stretch of the imagination. I'm still like on a B minus for Picard season two, whereas I've I've always said Picard season one was like a C C minus. Yeah. Um, but they're leaving me wanting to see where the story progresses to. I. And and honestly, I have no idea where they're going to go. Uh, whereas season one, for better or for worse, it was fairly predictable. Uh, like yeah. like I've watched enough Star Trek to understand. Oh, let's go see Riker and well, Troy. Well, oh, they're going to tell him I, this, and we're okay. going to go here. Did, like I, I've already got predict, it. Did you predict giant alien flowers stopping ships? Ooh. No, you didn't. <laughs> I can't that say I predicted it. <laughs> worst thing ever. Um, quickly wrap up on this part, yeah. though. So, so then we'll go. Uh, uh, Picard goes to Guinan, and she, which I really like this sequence. She explains how the Q continuum and her species are um, kind of, kind of made peace. Right. So I liked, I, I liked that little bit of story. And there was a summoning essentially with this such a powerful elixir that it would summon the gods essentially, but she refused to call them gods. Yeah. So. And it didn't. I can't work. give him that and, satisfaction. Yeah, and then for some reason, it didn't work. Right, Q's and here, but he didn't come. And Q's Q's always ne- come. Why is Q yeah, not coming? It, it's ne- it's never not worked essentially. Mm-hmm. And then someone else walks in, which I thought was going to be a different Q. Right, um, that's what I thought it, too. I mean, that, that's how they were playing it. You were sitting there thinking like, "Oh, it's a different Q." Right. And, and then it, and, and and uh and it's like we're closed go away and it's like well i'm celebrating and 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 you know what would you recommend and she goes to the bar and she goes you're the kind of person who always ordered a bourbon when what you really want is a white wine and he takes a sip and he goes you know what you're right and so got and picard go back to talking and it's kind of like this little intense but you know there's like something lingering and i'm going it, it's gonna be it's gonna be someone it's gonna be another cue that snaps his fingers and right right it's like you're always you're thinking that I, right? I was so sitting there thinking that and especially when he goes uh you guys read any good books lately you know i've I've always been into sci-fi myself like the unexplained the and and whatnot and any any his his tone and his timbre is exactly like so like John yeah. Delancey would deliver and, yeah. and I'm going he's gonna snap his fingers and he's gonna go this is still just a game to you isn't it John Luke and uh yeah you know but uh but then he goes uh you know i've seen some really interesting things like how can you explain this he holds up a cell phone and it's got an image of picard materializing from the transporter in front of 10 forward and uh and they're like you know my cameras have been on the fritz forever man like like i've tried calling techs out and they've well that's really interesting because i have a different theory and all of a sudden 30 swat team run through the door yeah what is this law enforcement and so Q and Guinan are arrested at the end yeah, of Q, episode seven. Q and Guinan are at the end of uh, the end of it, and then they find out that Girardi is going around to bars, busting up windows to increase their endorphins to yeah. because the board to queen speed up is, the assimilation process is yeah is trying to experience things with Girardi to get her uh, endorphins going, yeah. kind of some pleasure nodes, yeah. and then uh, to assimilate her, which then theoretically could. Uh, start assimilating other people and then now we're back to the borg could take over the planet so we, now we, have we just unleashed threats. the borg queen in los angeles in 2024 before yeah. humanity can protect itself from this we we came uh, here to save the future we might have just doomed it 
which, which is that you always knew that was going to eventually be a oh, subplot. Yeah. The queen is going to get loose. I didn't expect Girardi to be the vessel for it. Uh, I already know what's going to happen. Uh, all right. Prediction right here. Okay. Give I'm me a prediction. It. Give me what all you All right. Think. Here's what's going to happen. They're not going to be able to continue, hold the Borg Queen. Borg Queen's going to start assimilating the, the planet. Uh-huh. And, and Q's going to be going through something, and Picard's going to help him fix whatever he is going through. And as a reward, Picard, uh, Q's going to go and fix all of Earth. That's the reward everyone gets. Q gets a redemption arc? Yep. Oh. Well, he's done it before. He's done it before. Mm. To where when he didn't have powers and then he helped save that planet. It's true. It's true. So he he's known to do that. And, and he's going to go to Jean-Luc. Thank you for helping me. I'm just going to fix the mess that you made. Boom. Ooh. Snap. And that's the end of the episode. Boy, I'm not sure. Not sure. I, I, I Honestly, if they did something, that's typical Q. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm kind of fine with that. Um, but it, it leads back to Jean-Luc, the trial never ends. True. And so why would all of a sudden Q be well, like, yeah, it was all a sham. But wait a second, I, wait a second. I, I, with I, that line, why is now the trial about Q? I don't think it is. I think Jean-Luc is trying to spin it to go, why am I constantly on trial? Let's look at you and your misdeeds and your misgivings and your insecurity yeah. and 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 your savage childlike behavior. Uh yeah. and and so this is this is on Guinan's advice trying to flip the script on Q. But remember, this is still Q just playing games. And and so I don't I don't necessarily think Q gets a redemption. <sighs> I, that's that's my if if I had now. to call a prediction, okay, boy, um, I'm kind of with you on a because there's a fan theory going around. Let let me let me tie in a fan theory slash conspiracy theory with like let's tie together the end of the series, okay? Okay. Um, there was speculation from the very beginning that the Borg Queen that appears on the bridge of the Stargazer in Episode One is Girardi. Okay. Okay, that's one of the theories. It was either Picard's mom or Girardi, and I don't think Picard's mom's got the cojones. Yeah, um, the, the new Borg Queen, because they've been hinting at that. Because at one point, the Borg Queen said, look up to Picard, which was something only Picard would have known, but only would have trust, you know, given in conversation to some very trusted people or given up as Locutus, but again, who knows? Okay. Um, I think Girardi succeeds at assimilating Earth. Earth. I think as a concession to Picard's revelations about Q, that Picard will try to help Q in whatever trials he's facing. And as a reward, Q will return Picard back to his continuum, his space, his, his reality. Um, but the Girardi arc still exists because the Girardi arc is what preempted you intervening and saving Picard from death and transporting him to the alternate reality. So I think Girardi actually is the Borg Queen in episode one, and it's going to loop back on itself. 
So, so episode one, they're all called to this singularity. The Borg Queen okay. transports onto the ship, who we think is Girardi. Okay. The Borg Queen takes over the ship. Picard in- initiates a self-destruct, blows everyone up, right? Yeah. Okay. At the instant that everyone blows up, Q snaps his fingers, and that crew gets transported into an alternate reality uh, where they're living other lives and, and whatnot. Uh, but they still have their old memories. They're still their old consciousness, but new bodies. Okay. Yeah. Um, that reality is a reality in which they already went back in time with the Borg Queen and Girardi was assimilated and Girardi gets loose on Earth and assimilates all of Earth. And then that that instance is what feeds that that circle to come back where Girardi as the Borg Queen lands on the bridge of the Stargazer. I think that's a full circle. Well, that doesn't quite make sense because the Borg Queen then, because remember the Borg showed up days before Picard got there, that means the Borg Queen, which is Gerardi, the, the, no, the, would have to have been there beforehand. Yes, because she's lived her entire generation, you know, 400 but that's years. A, but, that's a, but that's an alternate timeline, which was an alternate universe. And that would then mean... But we know, Q3, but, but we know the... No. So maybe if Q sends her away... Yeah. Yeah. That again, which basically ties into both our theories. Maybe Q sends the Borg to the Delta Quadrant where where they continue to thrive and whatnot, and Girardi is now the Borg Queen of the Delta Quadrant. Um yeah. of Borg of that day and and you know, rises to power and whatever else. Essentially, essentially something yeah, so she, right. Q saves Earth but says uh Picard then says you have to spare Girardi because we know she's the new Borg Queen, and I will see her later on in the future right and then i know what to now tell her yeah to save her yeah like like i think this is more a girardi redemption arc than a borg queen or a q redemption arc i think they're setting this up for a third party so so that that might be the so essentially both of our ideas can i think there's a little bit of 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 your idea but like i said i think girardi is the borg queen that transported onto the bridge of the stargazer and caused this whole thing I think yeah, that's right. the reality she came from. Now, did we quickly... I don't quite remember the last time I was on. Did we talk about the announcement of season three? Uh, because that had to... Uh, unfortunately, that was an amazing release and, and it had to be leaked very early. And it's like, I don't care about this season anymore! <laughs> <laughs> Just get on with it! I want to see next season! Marina Sirtis... Michael Dorn, LeVar Burton, uh, the whole crew. Gates McFadden, Patrick Stewart, and uh, what's his name? Riker. Good God. Oh, yeah. Who, what's, uh, um, 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 oh, oh gosh. Uh, um, why do we not know this? I know it. You know, right? I know it. We all know it. Um, uh, and because we, we always say his last name wrong. Right. Jonathan Franks. Jonathan Franks. Thank you. You always say his last name wrong. Well, whatever. Frank. I was like, a John, I want Franks. to say John, John Frank. Jonathan Franks. Franks. Right. Franks. I know. Franks. I All returning season three. Season three. And dear God, here's what I hope. Here's what I hope. I want. A I'm glad I was mission. nowhere near you when that announcement trailer hit. 
oh my gosh i like messaged you three different ways like jeff did you see this jeff did you see this <laughs> um because we john saw, i saw uh, it and i'm really glad i had an umbrella out at the time yeah <laughs> right that's what i was worried about thank you um no, yeah <laughs> um we saw a galaxy class starship at the beginning of episode one i would really love a whole uh you know episode four we gotta steal the enterprise or a ship and it has to be a galaxy class <laughs> I, I, I would love it <laughs> i want them to drop the third nacelle on it uh, <laughs> no. Ew. Ew. oh yeah all good things enterprise d let's Ew. go with a big old laser beam at the bottom. With, with a giant photon cannon, right. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, I'm all about that. I have the hallmark ornament of the All Good Things Enterprise, by the way. Oh my It God. hangs on my Christmas tree every year. <laughs> I have that and I have the Defiant because those are the two ships that I want. It would, it would, I mean, or even just a nod of like, like the first episode and there's like, oh, they're all on the holodeck of the bridge essentially and the, know, the, they're all watching archer and the whole gang you know the original enterprise man we went a long way going from there to here or or <laughs> yes oh my god but what you know give me warp like, in a five six seven eight they're they're all <laughs> they're all there to like you know picard's obviously gonna save the day and picard gets a final award for retirement so they're all there yeah and they're like, you remember back in the day, and they're all just. There's gotta be another Enterprise D moment, like there was season one. I mean, how beautiful was the ship? Mm. It was gorgeous. Um, like, like, I don't necessarily crap on season one. Like I said, it's C minus to me, but it's okay. but it's mainly the middle parts that are C minus. Like episodes one and two were amazing, and episodes yeah. eight, nine, ten were also fantastic. Um, especially the intro, the opening scene coming into 10 forward from, 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 from outside in through the window. And you've got Picard playing poker against data. And, and that was just such a magical moment. Uh, I don't even care that it was a dream sequence. It was just so beautiful. That's what I'm saying. And, like, and then the, the ending, sequence. and then the ending dream sequence with data, where data says you know my subconscious is being held captive essentially and my quest for humanity cannot be fulfilled in this current if state and picard on, goes yeah. you want to die and data goes yes and and so they get to reconcile with one another and then picard gets to pull the proverbial plug it that was such a beautiful bookend to like a mediocre season and and, and like i said i don't hate season one but there could have been so much more in the center of it but five episodes were fantastic and i'm feeling so much better about season two where it's such better pacing and better storytelling but i will still say that cbs if they want to continue on this star trek road and i think we'll leave with this um if they want to continue doing star trek as a subscription only service type video like this is this is our white whale the one with the whales uh this is our whale that we want to carry paramount plus subscriptions and so on and so forth they need to stop thinking of it like a tv show 
And what I mean by that is Star Trek Picard has a 42-minute runtime. And for better or for worse, every single episode is 42 minutes long. I can watch Roadkill, which goes between 28 and 57 minutes long, because that's how long they have to tell the story, and that's what the story requires. And if they stopped thinking about this as, we need to fill 60 minutes of airtime with 18 minutes of commercials, and this is a 42-minute long... If they just went, you know what, we're just going to tell a good story. And this is, uh, this yeah. is the story that we want to tell... And it can be as short or as long in the episodes as we need it to be because we can put the commercial breaks wherever the hell we want. We're not at the, at the whim of traditional media anymore. Yeah. If, if they accepted that as a concept, I think they could do so much better of a job at pacing with series like this, with series like discovery and strange new worlds and star trek picard well yeah i i just hope they i wouldn't mind even a new series that i these are all turning out to be more movie-esque overarching stories. yeah large miniseries and, and i wouldn't mind something a bit more lord deck-esque of every episode a, a little, little bit, bit looser more, give me one one series that is a bit more episodic yeah of the adventure style it is just just for nostalgia's sake yeah. because it's going to get me hooked. I I and don't need 17 episodes of Star Trek Discovery which are all just one big movie that's just one yeah. one CSI horribly written mess which just, just has been story. Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, I I I like well that's what the the best part of Lower Decks is. It is just randomness. It's like this right. is there's a little tie-in back. No, Q, like, I don't have time for your bullshit today. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, come on, but, Mariner. But there's no overarching story in There's a couple other, overarching threads. I mean, but yeah, but there's like there's aspects, but every episode I can watch individually. Jax like, comes back that. from the dead and, and the whole <laughs> like, oh yeah, bridge crew's doing that all the time. <laughs> but you're not supposed to ask him about it. <laughs> Weren't but, you dead? Turbo lift stop. But the thing is, though, if you know Star Trek yeah. in general, I could just watch that episode. I'd be fine with oh, it because so great. I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. And I want something a bit more like that. I mean, even just like two-part episodes. You know, do every episode is a two-parter. Then yeah. I don't care. But maybe give me a new series like that. Yes. So. I agree. If you agree, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. If you like the beer content on this channel, make sure to subscribe to Hops and Brews. I'm recent so recent member of the 2000 Subscriber Club and yeah. still technically alive. Yes, 201 beers in a row. With no food in between. No food and in for between, anyone baby. who says he faked it, you don't know John like I do. <laughs> That's right. John will John will do things just to piss you off in spite of yourself. Uh like like there is no more vindictive or or I told you so personality I've ever met in my life than Mr. Hobson Brews to my left. So uh yeah, give him his due. 201 beers in a row. Most I've ever done is like 12. Uh, and we we know how that we know how that turned out i don't even remember the middle of it i got was here and ended up my hotel room (laughs) two miles away i i I made it to my hotel room i opened the door on the first try and i passed out on the floor that's all i know 
that's all you're going to know too. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching. Join us on Talking Heads every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news right here on Craft Computing. Uh, catch us out on the podcast over on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found, even the crappy ones. You can find us there too. And as always, we will see you next week.